We do. Amen. Love you this morning. Appreciate you. Gonna let our classes dismiss. Good to see all in the house of God today. To glorify the Lord, magnify the King, and exalt the everlasting one. Praise God. Man, what a God we serve today. Got a beautiful lesson this morning. Restoring. Restoring worship. Not just any worship, but true worship. No doubt, even today, through the Word of God, through the leading of the Holy Ghost, um, there's still an order to follow still a to do things decent and in order is what Paul said when he wrote to the Corinth church that that seemed to be so zealous and hungry and but yet got so caught up and in fact he went as far as telling some of them you know everybody had their own song and everybody had their own tongues and and things of this nature and he had to help guide them and correct them to do things when it came time to have church when it came time to join together amen to to worship the Lord that there's things that had to be done in a manner in a way that it could be received in other words everybody could come in and just speak in tongues and expect to do any edifying unless unless somebody was given out tongues and only this, he put an order there. Men, two, most, three. And then the interpreter would be there. If it was not an interpreter, just keep it to themselves. And, and now some takes that, amen. It, anyway, I, I won't go into all of that, you know. But um, worship, restoring worship. Worship, if, if you do a little study on worship in Bible or any place, Worship means to give homage to, to bow down to. In fact, if you look the word up, it talks about being prostrate before. And so it's what you give yourself to. It's, it's where your mind and heart and your energy. And watch what I say here. Especially energy that you find great joy in doing it. Amen. Um, there is a difference. If you put me in a fishing boat and put somebody else in a fishing boat with me that really loves fishing, really gets into it, I don't even own a tackle box, so I'd have to borrow one. <laughs> I'm not against it. I'm just going to give you an example here. But you could probably tell the difference when we got in the boat and went to fishing of how the partner's fishing and how I'm fishing. I have took my wife before and took a book and read it while she fished. <laughs> Amen. Okay. And uh, I mean, if you get to catching some fish, I may start fishing, but I ain't going to waste all my time till you start catching, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the excitement, some people, uh, I've heard this, you know, some loves fishing so much. It, it, they'll sit there for hours. And if they get a bite, you in for another two or three hours. <laughs> I didn't say if they caught a fish. But they love that. They have a passion for that. And so when you worship something, there is a connection that is made. There is a, a energy uh, that comes with that and uh, an excitement about that. That's the reason I think it's very, it, it would um, do us well. To make sure that when we come into a place 
a building that's been set aside, a place. And it doesn't matter if it's a house of God that we come on a regular basis or if it's a, just some auditorium or some arena. But now we have rented and we're gonna, it's going to be a place where God's people are going to gather. And we're going to worship Him. It changes that arena. It changes that place. They may have had all type of other events in that place before and after. But, but now, it's kind of like on the backside of that desert. And he told Moses, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground now. It was just desert. It was on the backside of a mountain. But now, God's presence and his purpose and speaking, it changes it. And, but when that place is set that way, and I've said this before. Amen. It doesn't matter where I go if I'm going to go worship God. Amen. I'm not just going to go anyway. I, I don't care if it's in some big arena. And, and they, they played all kind of other things and had all kind of other concerts and all in there. I'm not going to go in there chewing gum and nonchalantly and just, well, it's just, no. No, because we just changed that when we walked in to worship God. We changed that. Restoring worship. And to, to one of the best ways to help restore that is to gain back that awe, that fear. I've come to worship my God, the author and finisher of my life. I've come to worship the one that, that depends in his hand. And he has the power to give or to take. He has the power to guide and lead me down whatever path, journey, course it lies within him. And regardless of what I face, what challenges I face, what devils I face, what circumstances that I face or encounter, because I'm a true worshiper, he's going to be with me. Because I don't just worship him on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. I worship him every day. We worship him in everything we do. Your job, you're worshiping God as a vessel of God. At home, you worship God as a mom or a dad or ever how it may fall. Because... We're earthen vessels with a heavenly treasure. <laughs> so we watched this this morning. The lesson's a big idea. I will make my life a house of worship. I make my life. Not certain settings and certain times, but I'm going to make my life a house, a place of worship. When we understand that in a full depthness, we understand how important it is for the inward part to be what God desires it to be as well as the outward part. And they both work hand and hand and together as a vessel of God. We know the New Testament's taught us, knowing not that he are the temple of the Holy Ghost. As we talk about the tabernacle, as we talk about rebuilding that that Solomon had built, being torn down and destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. But it's going to be rebuilt now and reestablished and set up. And so we're going to get some ideas from a lesson today of how to restore worship if, if it's been lost. If it hasn't been lost, then we're going to learn how to keep it because the enemy's after it. The devil's after your worship. And he doesn't care how he goes about doing it. He don't care if you sit on church pews. As long as it's not the right ones. He doesn't really care what you give yourself to as long as it's not truth and true worship. He doesn't care, amen, what it is, what direction it is. And it can be legal or illegal. Now he will. You remember this about the devil. He'll lead and guide you into as much wickedness and vileness that he possibly can before he finally destroys you upon this earth until the race is over.
So, focus verse this morning is Ezra 3. That's the chapter. We, that's going to be the focus of our lesson in Ezra 3 and 6. From the first day of the seventh month began they to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord. But the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. If you're waiting on a new building before you start worshiping him, you may be in trouble. If you're waiting on, we purchase the field and we start running 350, then you're going to start kicking in. You may not survive the journey to experience that. The key to all of that is that I'm going to worship him now with where I'm at, with what I've got. Worship Him. And I want to worship Him in spirit and in truth. For this is what God's looking, searching for. Man, those that are worship Him in spirit and truth, that offer and give themselves in that manner and in that form. The truth about God, God's house should be filled with what? The sacrifice of worship. Man, the sacrifice of worship. When's the best time to worship Him? When is the most effective time to worship Him? Especially when a time has been set, a place has been designated, and we have agreed together to join at that certain place in a certain time. And when we get here. Notice this last part here. The sacrifice of worship. You know what moves God? It's whenever you make up in your mind, you bring that frail, sick, turmoil, body, mind, soul, life. I'm going to go to the house of God anyway. I'm I'm going to make my way there anyway. Because he deserves my worship. Regardless, the sacrifice. <laughs> you know, we should worship him at all times. Everybody left to have all the bills paid for. Everybody left to feel great. Everybody left to have perfect health, perfect children, perfect grandchildren, perfect spouses. Maybe I should have started with that one. <laughs> perfect parents. Maybe I should have started with that one. You know, all this, you know, everything just. But we live in a real world, don't we? We're living, we're living in a fallen world. We're living with a falling nature. We're living with a nature that the Bible's taught us that, that flesh or carnality is hostile against God. If you, if you just listen to your flesh, you'll never go to church. If you listen to your flesh, you'll never go to work. If you listen to your flesh, you'll never want to wash the dishes or the clothes and you know, if you listen to your flesh, you can't get it in bed. And when you get it there, you can't get it out. If you listen to your flesh, amen, uh, don't take one, take two of these. If they make, that one makes you feel that good, again, take two or three more. They may want to make you feel. Everything's about feelings. But you can't, you can't listen to it. You can't. You, you, you're going gonna to be, you got to war against it. It's that war, that battle that goes on constantly in these earthen vessels. With this heavenly treasure. And so you have to make up in your mind. And your heart and spirit. And if it's physically able. There's times it's not. Okay we understand that. Amen. I make a lot of people mad with this next statement. They give all the credit to the devil. This pandemic of COVID. I don't give the devil the credit. He's not that smart. He gets way too much credit. God knows what he's doing, folks, and he knows how to stir us. He knows how to arrange things and maneuver things. Let me ask you something. When did he really get Jonah's attention? He didn't get his attention in the storm. He didn't even get his attention on the, on the ride with it in the ship. In fact, he was asleep when everybody else was bailing water out and doing everything they could to survive. He was just sleeping. He was ready to die. He's like, I, and you know what he was saying by his actions? I'd rather die than to go preach to Nineveh. <laughs> But when he got him in that belly, in that seed, we got around him just right. 
and all the other smells and everything else. So, have you ever been so sick you just pray, God, just take me? I'm, I'm, I'd be better off if I, the best thing I can do right now is die. So God, God can arrange things, get us in a place, get us in a, uh, and the test is still, am I going to worship him? Am I going to call him? I'm going to trust him. I'm not going to watch Job. Bible said he never charged God foolishly. Losing 10 children, lost his health. Had his, his spouse trying to persuade him to curse God and die. Lost all of his wealth. All within just one right after the next. One wave right after another. Boom, boom. He didn't have time to get settled with the first one. And got, you know, to grasp it a little bit. For this, another messenger. For that messenger to get out the door, good. Another one's coming in. But still, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to, because it's about worship. You worship what you love. The devil told God, he said, I'll have him cursing you. Because the only reason he loves you and worships you and gives you so much glory is because you've got that hedge around him. If God had promised all of us a million dollars for everybody that was going to be here this morning at 920, I just wonder how many have been in the parking lot at 920. If the whole community heard about it, and it was legit, and some of them gamble enough, I promise you they'd gamble. Whether they believe it or not, they'd gamble it. <laughs> they probably wouldn't. If you pulled in at, at, at 919, you may not could have got off of 57. Some of your flesh don't like this, but... And here's the thing. The power that worketh within us. The Bible says, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And God said, I'll work, but who'll let? So when you start connecting these dots and you come to the realization, let me ask, and you don't have to respond. Has anybody ever felt bad and you just worshipped it off? You just got up one morning and felt like, man, I don't. But you said, you know what? Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I think I'm just going to worship God. Back by, call on him. Give him some glory. And in a few minutes, all of a sudden, you know what? I don't feel so bad. I don't feel so sick on my stomach. I don't feel so weary. You didn't take a vitamin. <laughs> you didn't go get a cup of coffee. You didn't, you know, you didn't shoot up with something. Amen. You just worshiped God. And God showed up and all of a sudden, cancer left your body. You don't know. But God does. Could it be that God's even arranging some of this that, that used to work, but it's not working so good today? That's <laughs> even got the medical field. All these new strands is coming out. And all this, you know. But thank God we can pray because there's nothing new under the sun with Him. It doesn't matter where it comes from, how it comes. God. You go back and you begin to look at this. Because worship is about revere. It's about when you call Him God, He's your God. In other words, He can call on you or I at any time. We belong to Him. We belong to His service, His call. Now, you know it well enough, the scriptures well enough probably know that the place where we pick up with Ezra, one of the men that's leading back, scribe, is going to write and talk about the history 
He's talking about, man, the restoring and going back to Judah, going back into Jerusalem and, and back to his people. Now, this is at the end of Babylon. And, and I'm going to read a few scriptures because you're going to watch some things really begin to happen. The power of God and things that was prophesied hundreds, hundreds of years prior for it ever took place. Go to actually the previous book of Ezra. When you go to 2 Chronicles 36, 22, you're going to notice the last two verses of this particular writings. And then the first writings of Ezra 1, 1 through 3 are almost identical. In fact, most Bible scholars believe that Ezra wrote 2 Chronicles. And then we know for sure that he wrote Ezra. And so Ezra begins to pick up and uh, the first verse of Ezra 1 and 1, now in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, that the word of the Lord, notice, that the word of the Lord, by what? By the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. He told him, he said, you go into Babylon. He got him in a lot of trouble. When you preach the doctrine and the truth of the word of God, it thrills some and it makes some mad. Okay, But it's still the word of God. It's, it's not mine. These were not Jeremiah's words. They were God's word. But God used Jeremiah to prophesy unto them. And even though all the false prophets, and they would even use horns and put them on to push the enemy and try, try to in front of the king, but, but it didn't happen, did it? They went to Babylon. If you remember about Babylon, Babylon was built and fashioned and formed as a city that would never, never, ever be overcome by an enemy. If you go back and do a little study on the history of Babylon, the, where it was built, the geographical location, how it was built, uh, they could just take just a few and, and, and those not real good mighty men to defend this city and keep it. Okay? Huh. Those babies bothering you? <laughs> They're doing good. We still want them. Bring them. Amen. Physically and spiritually. Praise God. What y'all going to do when you get about half a dozen in there spiritually like that? And they're over there going, Oh, my, my God. Hallelujah. That sounds good. <laughs> because some, well, I'll be good. I'm going to be good here. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Got to watch that Holy Ghost. He'll get you in trouble. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Anyway, but watch what happens here. And so it says, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus. <laughs> this is a pagan king. This is not what you and I consider one of the children of God as a Hebrew. But even this pagan king recognized and come to the realization that the God, the Lord of heaven, had blessed him. Listen to what he says. So the Lord has stirred up the spirit of Cyrus the king of Persia. Remember Persia is the second image. The second. The silver. In the image of Nebuchadnezzar. That Daniel gave the interpretation to. This is the king. That was prophesied. And in that image. That would rule and dominate the world. In this present time. Okay. So the king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom. Notice what else he'd done. He didn't just talk about it and announce it and hand it down to everybody. But the Bible said he put, he put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus the king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. You know, it do a lot of people just to read that and ponder that. Those is against Israel, against Jerusalem. You better read your Bible. That nation is going to rise up. Whenever the Gentile time is over with, to quit ruling and reigning over those Jews, especially after the battle of Armageddon, Israel is going to dominate. In fact, you're gonna, there's going to be a time called the millennium that Jesus Christ himself is going to sit up literally in that temple. And all nations are going to go to him upon this earth. 
before there's a new creation of a new one. And God, through Jesus Christ, sitting on that throne, which is God manifest the flesh, is going to show everybody that all their problems was really the devil that proked and prompted and he caused a problem in the garden. Let me ask him, who brought the attention to Eve about the tree? Who questioned her? Who questioned God's word? I'd always watch the voice that questions the man of God and the voice of God and the word of God. But we're living in a world today that believes gossip before they believe truth. They wanna, they, they'd rather talk about gossip than truth. I'm talking the world we're living in, the times. Fake news. <laughs> and I'm not politicking here, I'm just telling you. I said something to my wife. I'm going to say it here and maybe I shouldn't. All this is going on. She come by the office yesterday and weighed her mamas and was talking about it a little bit. I said, you reckon maybe God's got tired of Hollywood, the politicians, and a host of others has done everything they could to tear down the voice of God and the man of God and the house of God and to rebel against it. That now God's turning this thing around and turning them rebelling against one another. And the very means they use to destroy him, he's going to use to destroy them. Okay, let me ask you something. Watch this. They've done everything they could to persuade people not to trust men of God. This is what they put out there. Now, all them preachers, they're after two things, money and women. I, I'm not going to play around with junk. I'm just telling you like it is. And they've done that time after time after time over the years. And you and I would be shocked to have some of us even battled with some of that at times. And a lot of it's true at times. But uh, I ain't got time to run all these rabbits, but I'm going <laughs> to. So here we are. Now, let me ask you something. Who do you trust today? How many of you trust politicians? How many of you trust your news? Don't tell me God ain't turning this thing around. Could it be that God's setting the stage that whenever you don't have nowhere else to turn, where are you going to go? I'm telling you, if there's ever been a time for Holy Ghost vessels to stand up and be Holy Ghost vessels, it's now. That somebody's never bobbled in all of this, but still living for God and walking for Jesus. God's going to get us through this. Now, now you do all the other, all that other, and you know, I ain't against none of it, okay? But the bottom line, we all know who's going to get us through this journey. Who's going to bring us out on the other side, regardless of all the other things. It's Jesus Christ. not Because we don't walk by feelings, we walk by faith. Amen. If Peter could have just kept his eyes on Jesus, and I'm not downcasting because he did get out of the boat. And he made some steps while everybody else was staying in the boat. Okay, so, you know, let's be careful there. But the waves and the boisterous winds got between him and Jesus when he lost his eyes and his vision on Jesus. And that's the reason, I'm telling you, watch this daytime, this, this time that we're living and warned many times in the Scriptures. I mean, the cares of life and the weights of the world, they're trying their best to rob us of our worship and distract us so we don't have time for church. But the Scriptures taught us that in the end time, what we ought to be doing is having more church, not less. But we're watching in this end time, amen, everything that's coming our way, trying to shut it all down and trying to keep us from having it. Trying to worship, worship. Man. Watch this. I just wondered, I, you take all denominations, take all religions. And I just wondered if it was somehow to know this morning how many went to the house of God in some form or some fashion compared to those that did not.
and, and what's this? I'm going to be fair about it. And take out those that has a legit excuse or a reason. Work, sick, something of that nature. They just possibly couldn't go. We'll even take them out. We'd probably be shocked at the percentage and the difference of the number. That's got plenty of health, plenty of strength, plenty of means and ways of going. But we'll not make their way to a house of God. Where at one time, 50 years ago, that was far the other direction. You was considered odd or something if you didn't go to church somewhere. Worship. When you worship something, you're going to go to the place. You're going to... You're going to... So, as we watch God move upon this pagan king, Cyrus, and stirs up the spirit, moves him. Amen. And so, as he has moved, notice what he's done. Thus saith Cyrus, the king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and have charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judea. Who is there among you of all his people? Who is there among you? Man, he's, he's, fixing, to, he's fixing to put it on God's people now. He's fixing to release it and give it to them. His God with, be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. And this is in parentheses. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. Who is among you? He's writing it down. He's telling them, I'm releasing you. You haven't been able to be released for 70 years, but them 70 years is up. I'm releasing you. I'm turning. And notice now, now, if you do a study on this, we know that the king was king probably for about 20 years. But you're going to notice as you go to, uh, well, I'll have to give you a few minutes and get there. It goes down to the fourth verse, and he says, Whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold, with goods and, and beasts, and beside free will offerings for the house of God. That is, he's releasing them. He's telling them, you know, offerings and uh, beside the free will offering. This is going to be even above that and beyond that. The silver, the gold, the, the things that you need to help, help this to happen, for this to unfold, and for this to take place. Now, Cyrus was so sold out to this and given to this, amen. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin. Notice the chief of the fathers, the priests and the, the, the Levites, and with all of them whose spirit God had stirred. Again, watch God is stirred. Amen. But, but you and I have got to respond to that stir. And when we're stirred, we can't just let it die. Amen. Watch this. If you ever built a fire and, and you left it for a few hours, you come back and there's some coals and a few little dead, and you stir it up. And what do you got to do though? You got to put some more wood after you stir it up and it begins to kindle. You got to put some wood on it. You got to bring some offering. You got to bring some commitment. You got to put, oh, that fire's going out. Amen. It's going to burn up and be consumed. But watch this. That's the reason when you and I come on a regular basis and on a daily basis and every time we come, we feel this stirring and we feel this pulling. Amen. Hey, i got to worship him because he inhabits the praises of his people. And I've come to worship him and magnify him. I want him in our midst. I want him in our presence. I want him to have his way in whatever measure and means because judgment starts at the house of God. And I'd much rather have it in here. And now while I've got time with mercy and grace because you know what? God's full of mercy and grace and compassion of his goodwill and good pleasure. Amen. To always have a remnant and always have a people that's going to believe and, and respond to, to the powers of truth and the powers of God. Hey, I'm still here to tell you this morning. God's still in the miracle working business. God's still in the saving business. God's still in the business of turning hearts around and lives around. And I'll tell you what, anybody, it doesn't matter where they're at and what kind of circumstance or situation they're in. Watch this and what they're battling with. I'm taking you to the New Testament and you'll see, amen, where even those that was, wasn't even Jews and, and they didn't have 
the right, amen, but they would come and they would do what? They would worship him. And when the disciples try to drive them away and everybody else try to shut them down, but they worship And even to that point and place, amen, I'll take just the crumbs of the master's day. The dogs even deserves a crumb. And because she worshiped him, hallelujah, he looks at her and reaches around the cross, amen, and heals a daughter that's facts with the devil. And at the point of dying, that's what worship would do. Whenever you can't get God to move and you've done everything you know to do, you just start worshiping him. And you worship him with all of your heart, soul, and might. I tell you, God will show up whenever you begin to worship him. Hallelujah. And you, you know, you can, you can say, well, I don't deserve to do this. God deserves your worship. I don't care what con- kind of condition you walked in this house or how unfaithful you've been. Hallelujah. He deserves your worship. And when you really begin to worship him and magnify his spirit, will begin to stir something inside you that you can't stir up by yourself. It takes him to stir up repentance. It takes him to stir up, amen, the passion. It takes him to put the desire in us. But you got to be a worshiper first. You got to come sold out and selling out. I want to be a worshiper of yours because that's what's been taken from me. I bowed myself to this and I've given myself to that. And I've, but I've come today, God, to give myself to you as a worshiper. And as we do that, God begins to stir some things. Restore worship. He begins to stir some old passions, some old desires, and old-fashioned moves of God back into our hearts and back into our lives. I might have to bypass some just to cover it. Let's, let's go to the third chapter. I hate to do that, but anyway, the second chapter deals, amen, talks about the children of the province and um, names them, gives a number. There was 42,360 of the people. Uh, there was 7,000-something servants. Uh, there was 5,400 vessels, gold and silver, a man that had been kept in Nebuchadnezzar's God's house that uh, Cyrus goes and he gets those vessels. He puts it in the hands of a treasurer, a man, another gentleman, and they, they bring all this back now to the house of God. They're bringing it back, back to Jerusalem, back into Judea back to this place that's going to be built. It's going to be set up. And if you read that second chapter, you'll, you'll see a lot of that unfolds and takes place and actually gives you the number of different groups and different ones. And then as the third chapter picks up, and when the seventh month was come, the seventh month after arriving, after getting there, amen, they had to take some time, they made no doubt, to get settled, to get the journey itself and things of that nature. And uh, get you know they had to go back, and you'll see at the seventh month, Amen. They're going to have Joshua. Amen. As the priest, you're going to have Jerubal, which was the governor. He was the, the guy that was actually leading this particular uh, first uh, engagement that's going to go home. And notice what they built. The first thing to worship. The first thing to, in worship. You've got to build an altar. Amen. They built an altar before they ever laid a foundation. They built an altar before they ever had a place to come and join together and worship. They built an altar. Everybody's got to have a personal altar. You can't just depend on the altars at the church. Amen. You've got to have a personal altar that you're willing to, to put yourself and sacrifice and put yourself upon it to have a fellowship and relationship with God. And remember this, altars is always for the saints of God. Yes, sometimes sinners come and we use them for that purpose and thank God for it. But, but really altars is for us to come and offer ourselves, amen, as a sacrifice unto him. We can lift up holy hands and out of a pure heart. You heard it the other night about dirty oil, amen. And if you went on there, you can see that it talks about the, the, a, a dead fly, one dead fly and the apothecary can mess the whole deal up. It's in there. It's in there. Certain ones had responsibility to keep the flies out and all this, keep all this thing pure enough. The scent is sent up, amen. And all this, we know, is a likeness and kindness. But we're living in a world today that's done everything it can to chop away and tear down about, uh, you know, how to come to the house of God and how to worship Jesus Christ. And, and it, you know, it's all just a nonchalant. It don't matter if I go. It don't matter how I worship. It, it don't make any difference. And you're talking about eternity and you're talking about your soul. And now we're living in a generation. They don't want you to talk about politics and they don't want you to talk about church. But let me ask you something. What's two governing things that governs our world what two I just mentioned right here the priest and the governor and so you know what the devil don't want you to talk about it. not to one another he wants to give you his ideas he wants to shoot you full of his opinions he wants to shoot you full of fiery darts unbelief and all these other things he don't want you to take the time to go to the house of God he wants you to take the time to read your bible huh. so it's weird as he goes on here, you're going to notice what they begin to do. So they built the altar. 
and to offer burnt offerings. No, notice this. It wasn't just any old way. They just couldn't, you know, everybody couldn't just go and just build whatever altar and just whatever. No, they, they go back on something. They fall back on What was it? Moses. And how Moses in the law, the man of God. So there is an order. There's some instructions. How many of you likes instructions? How many likes to buy something? The first thing you do, you get the manual out and read the instructions. Or do you do like me, get the box and put the picture up and say, yeah, I think I can handle it. And then halfway through, you got some parts, and all of a sudden you come to realization, man, I was supposed to have done that step ten steps back. <laughs> now i got to back up and undo. I'm returning. I'm returning. America needs to return to some old-fashioned worship, to some old-fashioned revivals, to some old-fashioned pourings out of the Holy Ghost. We need, some, we need congregations and ministers that stands in pulpits start preaching about the Holy Ghost. Some of them needs to get it. Some of them needs to experience it because if you ever experience it, you won't run it down. You won't blaspheme against it. If you ever experience it, if you ever taste it, if you ever, ever gets a hold of you, amen, you, you won't be the same. You'll, you'll come to understand. You'll come to realization. It's nothing like it. And so we understand that this altar, and they began right here, amen, first thing, building that altar. They set the altar, what, upon its basis, and for fear was upon them because of the people of the countries. Remember, remember, this is one reason they went into bondage, because their forefathers had been stiff-necked and rebellious and disobedient. They was worshiping other gods and worshiping their way and their method, and that's the reason they wound it up in Babylon. Hey, we didn't want to make that mistake again. We didn't want to go through that, so we're going to make sure because of the fear of the people. If we don't, if we don't do this right, amen, the people and the things around us of rob us and that's not all what's this the, the, the work and I, I don't have time we're going to all of that to, but we know the work was hindered and all that because the adversary comes in not only is the adversary even those that tried to tell them hey we worship your God but they tell them say hey you have no part of this we don't want you to help us God's going to help us and God's going to work through this and so we don't want you to be a part of this we don't want you to come and help us because we, they knew that you're nothing but spies and you just try to get woven into this kind of like the mixed multitude amen the mixed people amen they, they try to intertwine and interwove and if we're not careful, our own government is going to try to pass some laws and put some things in the church to govern the church. Amen. That you've got to let certain people have certain positions. And... Huh. Doesn't matter if they qualified by this or not. Don't matter if they stumbled to this or not, submitted to this. Don't tell me. I'm telling you, it's happening today. It's going to happen in 2024, too. There's going to be some places, amen, it's going to give up their places. And they're going to have to get, bow down and give to them. And once they give to them that way, they're going to be in their pulpits. They're going to be in their Sunday school classes. And they're going to be part of their spiritual leaders. And I'm telling you, it's going to lead them further and further into darkness and damnation and all the other. Now, everybody can get mad about that and do whatever they want to. But I'm telling you, this thing is founded upon this book. It's founded upon Jesus Christ. And that's the only thing that's going to sustain the storm. That's the only thing that's going to come out on the other side. And so we just might well stay with the Word of God and stay with the book. And even when our own government, amen, comes up with ideas and opinions and, and try to tell them, no, we're not the one that hates anybody. If you preach against sin, amen, I'll tell you what, you love them. If you live a life, amen, and, and present yourself in a way that others can follow your footsteps and make heaven their destination, there's not a greater gift that we can give to our community. There's not a greater gift that you can give to your family. There's not a greater gift that you can give to your society. There's not a greater gift that you can give to your country. Amen. Then be an earthen vessel. Amen. And walk in a manner in a way that's going to lead all that follows your same footsteps to Jesus Christ. Let me ask you something. If we follow in Jesus Christ, Paul said, as long as I follow Christ, follow me. So as long as he follow Christ, we got to follow him. And if we're going to follow him, as he follow Christ. And then if we follow one another, we're going to follow the word of God, the comforting of God. I'm telling you, I'm preaching to us this morning. Amen. Because if we'll all walk together and it's less to agree, unless can they walk together. And I'll tell you what, is there any agreement in our country today? Did you know that same disagreement and that same old spirit? Amen. Is bombarding the church trying to do everything it can, amen, to cause disagreement. And some of us over petty things that don't amount to nothing. Hmm. So, you watch this begin to unfold. Back up. I'm, I'm sorry. The seventh month was come, the children of Israel were in the cities. The people gathered themselves together as one man. All the cities. As they went, I told you how many Thousands. Thousands. Now, they, they built a temple and everything, you know, just, just them. Not the, not the men, the ladies, servants, 7,000, something them. So that puts us over 50. How would you like to start a church at 50,000? <laughs> That's where they's at. That's the reason you had the, the Levites and the priests, certain ones tending, responsible. 
the events, what's going to unfold, and what's going to take place. Amen. As they begin to build and make this progress. So as it goes on, you're going to see they kept also the feast. They began immediately again before the foundations even laid. They built an altar and they began some traditions, some feast. They've been set up by Moses. Amen. Worship. You know, there's really, you know, if it's not going to be done where the scriptures had taught them, the way Moses had instructed them, then why build the temple? You know, why? So watch them. The worship was, was the most important thing now. And out of this worship, as they built the altars, and then they started keeping these feasts. Amen. And traditions, amen, and festivities that was, was lined up to them to accomplish. If you're going through that, you can see that. And according to the customs, watch this. You know, customs, customs. <laughs> uh, there, Paul himself taught us, he said, there's some traditions you don't need to let slip and you hold on to. There's some customs that are a must. Amen. They're more than just a custom. Amen. And, and it can't just be accustomed to you. It, it's got to be, you know, got to understand the, the importance of that and the reality of that and the results if you don't keep it where, where you can wind up and, and, and things of that nature. So anyway, so they kept according to the customs as the duty of every day, every day, every day, every day required. To, amen. Every day it required, amen, of them to do. So they offered the lambs every morning, every evening. They followed through with some of this. And afterwards, all the, uh, offered continued burnt offerings, um, amen, even for the new moons and the set to feast of the lords and consecrated and you see all this and i'm trying to get through some scriptures here because if i don't my time i got about five minutes and so as you watch this uh from the first day of the seventh month began they to offer burnt offerings unto the lord but the foundation of the temple of the lord was not laid yet uh they gave money also unto the masons the carpenters Amen. And you're going to see that even oil and drink and meats was given to Zidon and to Tyre to bring to them to cedar trees. So there were some things that taken place, even though it wasn't physically all where they could see it. You're seeing something getting a hold of the people and different ones as they're offering and they're giving and all this is coming together. And you see it happen. Now watch even this next verse. In the second year, now we're already at the second year, the first year, the seventh month. Now we're down all the way into the second year. Amen. And, and uh, in the second year... Um, there was coming into the house of God at Jerusalem. And in that second month, you're going to notice that the remnant of the brothers that was this, that was the nearest, and uh, uh, that was the Levites, all of they were come out of the captivity unto Jerusalem. They come there to worship and set forth the work of the house of the Lord. And so we see a man from 20 years old, he set up the Levites and them to do the work, to set up this work, to begin to set it in order and take all this. And, and so there stood up Joshua and his sons and those, and I'm going to pass on down. The 10th verse, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord. They set the priest in their apparel. It's a little different. They just couldn't come now and just wear anything. Okay? It's in there. In their apparel. To represent what position, their duties, their responsibility. Okay? That's one thing that slipped away from this nation. Again, if all of us would go back in time a little bit, this nation used to reverence the house of God. And we wouldn't wear but certain apparel. I don't care what denomination you went to. Certain apparel is all that was accepted. Unless you wasn't, you know, a guest or, you know, somebody didn't normally come. But if you came along, you, well, this is going over good, isn't it? But still right. And don't, so don't take it wrong. So the priest in their apparel with trumpets, the Levites, the son is Asaph. In fact, if you go back and you're going to notice here the ordinance of David. Now watch this. We don't follow it. What Moses and the altar and the feast keeping the law. Now, here's the way to worship. David set up an ordinance of how to worship and singers. And if you go back to First Chronicles, so the sixth chapter, 31 through 81, you'll see where David set up the singers and their responsibility. And there was Levites. 
Amen. And their, their, their responsibility in singing and creating an atmosphere and creating a place for, for the power of God or for the glory of God to move. That's the reason it's so important, these songs that we choose to sing and, and the setting of it and having the anointing of God. That's the reason it's so important, amen, as singers, as praise singers and those that may be involved, amen, when they make their way through that prayer room to get cleansed and washed and purged. And, and come on, from one service to the next, come on, you deal with the world and you deal with yourself and you deal with your family, you deal with it. So, so, there's, so there's a purpose for that. There's a reason. And that apparel is, amen, is just as important on the inside as whether the outside. Because I can dress this thing up and be, you know, full of dead man's bones. And I can have such a dirty heart or dirty all. And so it's, it's a dangerous thing to come through that process and just nonchalantly walk up on the platform and want to be one of the praise singers. We're watching this. Amen. It's God. It's David set this up, not just, but certain ones. And they was talent and, and had the ability, and God gave them that, and they was going to use it for God. I just wonder how often the devil has stolen so many with talents and ability that God gave them for, to worship him with, but the devil that tricked them and beguiled them, and they sold themselves out for one reason or another to do it for the world, for the fame of the world, and for the worship of the world, so people would bow down to them and... The power of music, the power of songs, of setting the stage of our minds and our hearts. You know what? You know what songs can do? It can unify us. It can join us together. You can't come in here and sing two or three different styles of songs, our songs, and get unity. And so we come in and we sing one song together, whatever the song might be. And as we sing it together, it, how many enjoyed that, that old song this morning? How I many really listened to the lyrics of it and paid attention to what it was telling us, guiding us with, and how powerful it really is when you really begin to tune into it and listen to what it's saying. You join in singing that, and you're saying the power's in the tongue. So as you join in with the singers and you begin to sing it, your heart and your spirit and your mind begins to believe it. And guess what? There's a connection between earth and heaven. Because as our praises goes up, his comes down. And as this thing connects and pulls together, power, the anointing of God. And so this is what we're seeing happening here. This is what's unfolding. They sang together by course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord because he is good for his mercy endured forever toward Israel. It's his mercy. It's his goodness that's got us out of 70 years. The remnant that survived that. The remnant. Amen. That no telling how many had, had talked about. It. Come on. You got the stories of Daniel. You got the stories of the Hebrews. You got the stories of others. Amen. That, that made their way back. And now we got, I know at least some over 42,000 made their way back. Coming back to Jerusalem. Coming back. Amen. Amen. To build and see this, this tabernacle built and, and be, laid up. And so as a foundation is laid, the last stone was laid. And it's just a foundation. And you see the excitement, man. They're getting beside themselves. Begin to sing and worship, magnify God. Now watch this. The next verse talks about many of the priests and Levites and chiefs of the fathers who were ancient men. Ancient. These are the ones that were, and who knows how old they are now, but there was ancient men here. But apparently uh, old enough that they remember Solomon's temple. They remember, if you go back, and you go back, and if you read a Solomon's temple, and it talks about the cost. It talks about the great cost and greatly stones, costly. I believe the word called them costly stones that were laid and how they was placed in this temple. There's nothing like it. Amen. Far is a material building and tabernacle and a place, a man, to come worship in. It astounded all. Amen. The, the, the expense, the hours and the time putting into this. And so the, the, the Bible goes on and says, you couldn't really tell the difference between them, amen, wailing and weeping. And over the young men that was rejoicing over a foundation being laid. And so the work... Now watch this, the people, now notice what, the people couldn't tell the difference between the two. If you do a study on Hebrew, either the, the wailing and all, they're very emotional, the Hebrews. In fact, the more emotional it came, I've told this before, and I'll tell you again for some that maybe had never heard it. Uh, my mother and youngest brother went to Israel, and it's been years and years and years ago, <laughs> about 30 or 40 years ago, somewhere in that. Anyway, and um, one of the things that they remembered so vividly is when they went to the wailing wall. 
and said their instructor there said you would see them. They'd be a, there was several there, and uh, they would take and bring their petitions and slip them into the crevices of that wailing wall, and said and you could watch the people to determine how how what type of need they had, without hearing them or understanding their language. But it was their their response. Said those that were just kind of just there and just it wasn't a much of a request. It wasn't a real big request or something of that nature. But those that was wailing. said no doubt they had a great need huh. and then people want to make fun of us when we come get beside ourselves in worshiping God exalting his name and magnifying him <laughs> the giver of life the hope of eternity the peacemaker of every circumstance and every battle. The way maker. The one that can open doors that no man can open and close doors that no man can close. There's nobody like him. And so we, we get beside ourselves and of worshiping and magnifying and exalting this almighty God. And, and they, they got this. This is from, from Psalms 18. Amen. That, that you're going to pick up and you'll begin to read word David, the writings of David in Psalms 18. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. How many believe the Lord's good? How many believe he's good all the time? Amen. He's good all the time. Amen. He even helps us. Sing. He can make the best of bad situations, can he? Amen. He may not solve all of it. And he may not just. And I know, I know we'd love to just get, get on the wings like David talked about in one place and just fly away and like it didn't exist. But you know what? So life and deal with life and the heartaches and things. They, sometimes, you know, you know what? God can make the best of it. If we'll just lean on him. If we'll just trust him. If we'll give ourselves unto him. God will strengthen us. God will help us. Amen. Amen. To, to endure and to overcome and how to respond and how to handle these circumstances and situations. I'm telling you, uh, you know, it, this is an idea deal time the world the time of the history that we're in now in this end time is living for God is walking in the Holy Ghost walking in his love and peace and joy amen because you know all the other substance amen that's supposed to bring all this uh, is failing mankind but not God not the Holy Ghost not Jesus Christ not the gospel not the rock that we founded and built upon amen we, 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 we find a strength and a help and a presence here to help us along with life and, and his circumstances and situations and, and folks they're going to happen we're not exempt amen he mentioned the other night, you know, the floods are going to come. You dig down and build on the rock, the floods are going to come. On the one that built on the sand and one that built on the rock, what's going to happen? The floods are coming. The storms are coming. But thank God for the rock. Thank God for Jesus Christ. Thank God for the one, amen, that will, will be with us, that will comfort us. A very present help in the time of trouble. When you think you're going to lose your mind. When you think you're going to lose your nerves. You think you're just all washed up and done in. No, there's a God. There's one that loves me. And you know what? I belong to Him. This vessel belongs to Him. My life belongs to Him. I can't control everybody else. and I can't control everything else. But you know what I can control? That's me. I can control me and my response and my faith and my worship. And that's the reason in bad days I can still come to the house of God or in my own living room or in my bedroom. I can dance and worship and magnify God. And when it looks like the whole world's crumbled out from under me, and when I've lost my best friend or I had to place a loved one in the grave, and sometimes, sometimes having to do that, not, not at, a, you know, at a time, it's never a convenient time. I don't care when it happens. If you love them and cherish them, it's never a convenient time. It will never happen. But yet knowing God and God. So, you know what, the best thing you and I can give our loved ones, more important, than money, more important than, than money and land and all that, is to know that you're right with your maker. Amen. That they can walk up to your casket and they can look down there and say, you know what? I know by their life and how they've lived and how they committed themselves and how they worshipped God day in and day out. Not just at the house of God, but on a regular basis and on a daily basis. They was a true worshiper. Amen. It wasn't just a Sunday thing to them or Sunday morning thing to them. It wasn't just a Sunday night thing to them. It wasn't just on a Wednesday 
Wednesday night and occasionally here and there. But they was a worshiper, amen. Hallelujah, day in and day out. They dance and love and worship God. Amen. They always want to talk about Jesus. They want always to talk about, man, it seemed like, and, and, you know, you get around somebody, uh, you, you know what, you can keep talking about things. We talk about it, hunting, fishing, all that. But it don't take on. The Word of God's going to come back in. Amen. You just find yourself, you'll be talking about Jesus and talking about the goodness of God. Amen. Because you can get somebody that loves deer hunting, kills a big old buck, and you say, man, God bless me with that one. You know where it come from. You know who created. You know who, who brought it all together. So we give God that glory. We give God that praise. We give God that honor. What a mighty God. What a mighty God that we serve here this morning. A good God. It's good on a bad day. It's good to have when the doctor gives you that report that you don't want to hear. It's good to have whenever a friend or loved one is facing a situation, a man, and you're going to try to help them. You can find him as your help, your strength to say words or take on actions that will be a blessing to that. Praise God. Hopefully something was said this morning that will uh, encourage us to continue to worship our Lord. To serve our God. To commit ourselves and dedicate it's going to be worth the journey, ladies and gentlemen. Living for God is going to be worth the journey. Don't you give up. Don't grow weary in well-doing. You hold on. Our best rewards, we're blessed here. God's blessed us. Come on, I'm not saying, but I'm telling you our best rewards is going to be in a moment in the twinkling of an eye when we're snatched and we're caught and we meet him in the air. That's when reality is going to really set in. That's when, amen, we're going to realize it was worth every step along the way in worshiping, disciplining, and humbling, and yielding, and giving ourselves unto the Holy Ghost, unto the Word of God. I know this world's pulling, pulling every, every way it possibly can with pleasure and enticements and things of that nature. But I'm here to tell you, we got to be like Moses. I'd rather suffer the afflictions with Christ. Enjoy the pleasures of sin for just a season, for just a little while. And nobody knows that season. Nobody knows how long that season is going to be. If you don't believe that, go back and look in that, that cemetery. And you're going to see all different ages. And hallelujah, how long some living for God and being a worshiper of God and a true worshiper. Folks, hallelujah, it's got the best benefits in this life and in that one to come. In living and serving and worshiping Jesus Christ. Anybody glad to be a worshiper of Jesus this morning? Amen. Excited about being a vessel of God today. Huh. We're going to change the order of our service this morning. We're so excited. Amen. Brother Tyler and Sister Melissa is able to come. Why don't y'all come? Just come join up here with us. I'd love for the family to come and join in behind them. You know, to God to bless them, another little boy to raise up and to train. A lot of people don't like that term train, but that's what the Bible says. Train them up. And the way to train them up is you just keep doing something over and over. and You just be consistent with that and steadfast with that and bringing them to the house of God. You know, presenting yourselves and... You know, the bulk of this is on Brother Tyler's sister Melissa. Amen. But you know what? There's a lot of responsibility that falls on you and I. Myself as a pastor. You as a part of this family. I don't think family. The family. I want all the family. Mamas, daddies, grandmas, grandpas, brothers. Hallelujah. I want you to come and join in behind them and close. If you can, if you're physically able. If you're not, we understand that. But if you're able this morning... Because we want you to be a part because you are a part of this. Amen. One encounter in the right situation can change Coulter's life like, no, like nothing else. Loving him and just being kind to him. And uh, that's stories after stories in this place today of mothers and dads that done certain things at certain times. Stories of grandmas, grandpas, nannies, or, or papas, whatever. You, they've got so many titles today, till Lord knows. Amen. And so to impact him, amen, he, he's going to have some.
that's going to involve these earthen vessels right here. Those encounters, those moments, amen, of that transpiring and that taking place, amen, to help mold and shape him. And then us, church, as you stand and come and join around with us, amen. You know, sometimes I feel like we underestimate the power of a moment, power of a moment to impact these babies, impact their hearts. I've heard young, young, young men and young ladies as they start giving their testimony and uh, especially, you know, when they start giving it about God's helping them and blessing them and how they may speak of certain ones in the church that, that impacted them, that helped them, that just said the right thing. And it may be one time, one time in, in 20 years, but they said the right time, the right thing at the right place. God used them to impact Amen. And kept that individual maybe from going the wrong direction. Or maybe they was done headed there. But that kind, gentle, very wise, anointed vessel of God that sees all things, that knows all things. He already knows. And you know what? He knows how to position you and I to impact and be a part of impacting his life. That's what this thing's all about, folks. He can't raise himself. Right now, if we left him alone, he would die. It wouldn't take long. Somebody's got to tend to him. I know mama, <laughs> at, at some time at midnight, getting up and getting that bottle and cleaning. And, hey Amen. But uh, I'll never forget this, and I probably told it several times, but uh, before I ever even had any children, I was working at Ingalls on second shift, and Mr. White was riding with him, and he questioned me about it, and I said, and, and, and I think maybe Heath was just small. I think that's what it was. But anyway, he said, you better enjoy it. He said, right now, they're just going to step on your toes. He said, but just a few days, and he said, I mean that in just a few days, he said, they'll be stepping on your heart. Amen. So I'm going to tell you something. Mom and dads, grandparents, the investment you make in him will come back. And if you and I fail to make the investment, who's going to invest in him? Could that be the problem of our world today? We got way too many parents and some grandparents that don't want to make no investments. And they raised up by whoever and however. And I'm not trying to be, I'm just I'm just telling you where we at. But we're gonna make an investment in culture today. We're gonna to give him some time. We're gonna love him. <laughs> Amen. We're gonna reach out and let God help us. And that's reason, that's what this is all about. And we come. And, and, folks, we come. We've gathered. We're making confession. You know, we could, but we're doing this. They have brought him. Brother Tyler says, most of y'all brought him. And you're making this commitment. And you're making this a witness for all that, hey, we're going to take on that responsibility of raising him and the nurture and the admonition of God by the word of God. There's nothing more powerful than this word. It's more powerful than the government. It's more powerful than anything. This is right. There's going to be many voices out there that's going to say, you ought to do this and you ought to do that. And this is going to tell you. And you know what? I just follow what this says. Let them say what they want to say. Do what they want to. Because there's going to be some saying, well, you ought to do this and you ought to let them have that. And you ought to. No, this says they don't need that. What they need is God. And some godly parents. And godly examples. And that's what we're going to try to be here today. Amen. Ministers, if y'all come help us, Sister Moore.